Why is it that we jump to conclusions in the absence of facts? Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Ontario, Canada, and you're listening to Quick Hits, short podcasts about national security and public safety. I'm recording this on the morning of June the 25th, about 9 o'clock in the morning, and the reason for this podcast is to provide some comments, maybe some I don't know, incipient analysis on what appears to have been a shooting in Oslo, Norway at one o'clock in the morning, their time, uh, last night. A man killed two and wounded at least 10 people outside of a place called the London Pub, which is a bar popular with the city's LGBTQ community. And this was just hours before a gay pride parade was supposed to take place in Oslo. Turns out the individual was known to Norwegian police, as well as the PST, which is their security service, the equivalent of uh, CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, where I worked for, for 15 years. I've been to PST headquarters in Oslo. I've spoken with my counterparts. I have friends within the PST. And so far, there's been some speculation as to what the motive may be, but it's still early hours. We're still talking less than 24 hours after the attack about who the individual was. He's been arrested. He didn't uh, kill himself. It is a male. It's a 42-year-old male. And so we're left with more questions and answers right now. But that situation where we don't have a lot of information has not stopped some from drawing conclusions based on very, very partial pieces of information. So a lot of the websites that I saw this morning that reported on this talked about the attack and emphasize that, yes, Norway is a very, very peaceful country. Not a lot of shootings in Norway. They don't have the gun laws that the Americans have, or a lack of gun laws rather the Americans have, for example. So extreme violence is fairly uncommon in Norway. Uh, having said that, they do have their issues. Um, again, when I talked to the PST, they certainly were a very busy security police security agency. And yet a lot of these websites immediately drew parallels to the attack by Anders Breivik back in 2011. You probably remember him. He set off a bomb outside the Norwegian parliament, then got into a vehicle, went to an island called Utøya, where there was a gathering of some Liberal Party members, and he killed upwards of 70 people before he, in fact, was subdued by police, was arrested, charged, went on trial, and is serving a very long sentence. Now, Anders Breivik was definitely a right-wing extremist. He was a neo-Nazi. He even gave Nazi salutes in his court appearance. And what I found disturbing about the initial analysis on certain websites was the fact that whoever wrote these articles was drawing a parallel between what Breivik did and what happened just less than 24 hours ago in Oslo, making the assumption that this, in fact, was a right-wing extremism attack. So why am I commenting on this? Well, interestingly, I just read something literally minutes ago in France 24, another website, and there is a quote from an acting PST chief, Roger Berg, so again, the PST is their security intelligence service. And he says, quote, this was an extreme Islamist terrorist attack. And that the gunman who was arrested shortly after the shootings had a long history of violence and threats. There's also some issues about mental health. Again, too early to tell. What's the lesson here? Well, the lesson here is that people jump to conclusions based on very little data. And I said it once and I'll say it again. I think we have terrorism on the brain. And more narrowly, especially in the West and in here in Canada, the CBC was one of the sites 
that emphasized the right-wing nature of what Breivik did with a nudge-nudge, wink-wink, this was also right-wing, that right-wing extremism is rampant, that it's out of control, that we should fear for our lives because of white nationalists, white supremacists, neo-Nazi groups, etc. And again, as I've said before, there's no question that right-wing extremism is a huge, huge problem. But, and again, sorry for being repetitive, the vast majority of attacks are in fact carried out by Islamist extremists. Now, this individual in Norway was of Iranian origin. He was described as a Norwegian citizen of Iranian origin, 42 years old, so he's male, with a bit of history of, of violence, not too, too serious violence, but some violence. So well, the question that I, my immediate reaction to this was this could possibly have been an Islamist attack. And I stress possibly because I don't have any information to make that definitive judgment. He was from Iran. There's a chance he could be Muslim. Most Iranians are Muslim, albeit of the Shia variety. And I reminded myself that it's not just right-wing extremists that are anti-gay, anti-LGBTQ. We, yes, we know that right-wing groups are not fond of gay rights. We saw an, 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 a, a proposed riot, was it a few weeks ago, out in, in is it Oregon, against a Pride event by a right-wing group of wankers who like to purport that they are the protectors of the American Constitution and American rights and an American way of life, whatever kind of thing. But I want to remind you that, in fact, Islamist terrorists are equally as anti-gay. In fact, the Islamic State, ISIS, when it had its so-called caliphate, or as my good friend Mubin Sheikh calls it, the caliphate in Iraq, in northern Iraq and Syria, in 2014, 2015, 2016, used to throw gays off buildings, alive, take them to, the, to several stories up and basically push them off. Because to Islamist extremists, gay sex, gay lifestyle was an abomination. It was against God's law. And of course, we know that ISIS and other groups like them, like Al-Qaeda and Al-Shabaab and Boko Haram and thousands more, think they have a monopoly on what God or what Allah wants. And they have taken it upon themselves to mete out justice in his name, based on their interpretation of Islam. Why am I harping on this? For two reasons. I think that given the 24-7 news cycle, which of course is, is very pervasive, uh, I have to fully admit that I often read the news to see what's happening. There seems to be this immediate need, perceived need, to draw conclusions before most of the facts are in. We want to, we want to know why immediately, before we actually know. And as somebody who worked in security intelligence and worked alongside law enforcement, the reality is a little more complicated. It takes time to overturn the rocks. It takes time to gather evidence. It takes time to gather information. It takes even more time to analyze that information, to corroborate the information from multiple sources, to determine what's important, what's not important, what's peripheral, what's fake. Lots of times you gather intelligence information that's simply not true. And this doesn't happen in a heartbeat. This takes days, weeks, sometimes months, maybe even years to find out the truth behind something. And yet we have a lot of people in the news business who immediately label something as X, Y, or Z, despite the fact they have no real reason to do that. So my, my first plea out there is for people to simply be patient. Don't demand answers when we don't have any answers. I don't mind speculation. I don't mind well-informed speculation. But to go and say that something is definitely this when you know it not to be so, or you can't be sure that it's so, is simply a dereliction of duty. The second thing I would also ask is that 
for those who went out and made the comment that this was probably or possibly linked to right-wing extremism in Norway, and it may turn out to be that way. The statement by the acting chief of the PST may in fact be wrong. When they find out more through their investigation, it may turn out there's other motives that were behind this attack in Oslo. I also want to emphasize that this just, just may have been a hate crime. Now, he's been charged. They're treating it as a terrorism investigation. Now, I don't know Norwegian law. I'm not sure how terrorism is defined in the Norwegian criminal code. But I know here in Canada that hate crimes and terrorism crimes are different. They're treated on different parts of the criminal code. Yes, all terrorism is hate, but not all hate is terrorism. So we'll have to see what happens in that regard as well. But what I would like to ask people is that if, in fact, you do make an assumption or you put out speculation that turns out to be false, admit it. Say you were wrong. Say my bad. Confess to us that you jumped the gun, no pun intended in this case, before it was necessary. There's an old phrase, you know, to err is human and to forgive is divine. And we all make mistakes. I shared with you many months ago that when Breivik's attack took place in 2011, and I was asked to put out a piece of analysis the very same day, despite the lack of information, I speculated it was an Islamist attack because we had intelligence back then that that pointed in that direction. I was completely wrong, 100% wrong, and I admit that. So, you know, man up, become mature. If you say something wrong, if you write something wrong, do a mea culpa afterwards rather than than ignore it and simply move on. My heart goes out to the victims and their families in Norway. I'll be watching this story very closely in in the days and weeks to come to see what actually comes of it, whether it was in fact an Islamist attack, whether in fact there were mental health issues, whether it was a hate crime and how Norwegian law treats that, or maybe if there was a right-wing connection. I don't know. As of 9.15 on June the 25th, 2022, I can't jump to that. I can't make that conclusion. I don't have enough data on hand and neither do you. So be careful of what you say. Anyhow, that's what I think. Be curious what your reaction is to news reporting on terrorist attacks and speculation conclusions drawn in the very early moments after something happens. Love to hear from you. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter, borealisaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like the content want to get more, go to the website, borealisthreatenrisk.com. Hit the subscribe button. You get all the podcasts, all the blogs free of charge. You can subscribe, go right to your inbox. You can also find a link there to my latest book, The Peaceable Kingdom, a history of terrorism in Canada from Confederation of the Present, self-published. You can buy it from me off my website. Love to hear your feedback. We'll talk again soon. Until then, take care.